you look at uh, James chapter 5, just open it up with me, you'll see in verse 13, we're kind of wrapping up our series in the book of James. We have this week and we have one more week. But right here at the very end of this book, the whole last section is on this subject of prayer and how God moves through prayer and what God wants to do in us and through us related to prayer. And it's interesting, he starts off, if you look in verse 13, and he says it, If any of you is suffering, let him pray. Basically, this book, we said from the beginning, was written to the Jews that were dispersed among the nations. They're going through difficulties, trials, temptations. In fact, all of chapter 1 really focuses on that idea. And so he's saying, listen, if you're going through trials right now, if you're going through difficulties right now, well, the first thing you need to do is pray. And he's speaking to people who are in desperate need prayer. Then he says, the next little phrase, is anyone cheerful? Is anyone joyful in the midst of trials, chapter one? Or is any of you maybe not even experiencing trials right now? You're kind of in that stage of life where it seems like everything's great. And what James says is in that stage, pray. The point he's making right after the very beginning is in season and out of season, as it says in Ephesians, whether in good times or in bad, no matter what is happening in life, there should be within us, the followers of Jesus, a spirit of prayer. That's how he starts off this passage. Then here's how he ends the passage. We'll skip the middle and look at the end here for a second. He says at the end of verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently, that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. He says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of the followers of Jesus are powerful and effective. And then he gives a little story, a story of a man named Elijah. And those of you familiar with the Old Testament know of Elijah. I mean, this man was a man that did some pretty incredible things. I mean, he was the man that uh, went up to the king and the queen, the evil people who were ruling their land at the time, and he walked up to him and said, it's not going to rain here again until I pray and say that it will. And for three and a half years, no rain. And then he said, okay, it's going to rain now. That when he prayed, he asked God to work and move in his situation. Crazy things happened. He went to this widow one time in the midst of the famine. And he came up to her and he said, I I need to eat and I would love for you to bake bread and and to provide for me. And she said, I I only have enough flour and oil to make one and my son and I were going to eat it and then we were going to die. And he goes, well, why don't you make some for me first and God will provide. And then she does. And you know the story. Flour never runs out. The oil never runs out. They have all that they need. They're continually supplied. During that same famine, he has ravens fly and bring him food while he's sitting in a ravine. The story goes on where he confronts the prophets of Baal. You heard this story probably with flannelgraphs when you were little. And uh, there's this rocks, and they're building up an altar, and all these guys are standing around praying to the prophets of Baal. They're praying, 
and they're cutting themselves and they're, they're asking for these false gods to move and nothing happens. And Elijah comes and he builds this altar and he gets it all squared away and then they just dump water after water after water on top of it. And then he prays and from heaven, fire that consumes everything. And this story also goes on to talk about how when he prayed, amazing, amazing things happened. In fact, he never died. He was caught up to heaven. He was one of the only men never to have died. When Jesus was with his disciples on the Mount of Olives and Moses came down, Elijah was right there next to him. And this was a man that has a pretty successful resume, right? And the Bible says right here in James 5, that he was a man like us. A man with a nature like ours. I think the point James is making is, listen, it isn't because Elijah was Elijah, it was because Elijah tapped in to God. And because God is always God. And that if we tap into him, if we pray and we get on our knees and ask for him to move, then more times than not, something amazing happens that he works in our hearts and our lives. He works physical ways, spiritual ways, emotional ways. So James starts off and says, whether good times or bad, pray. Wraps up and says, the prayer of the righteous avails much. And in between, he gives two examples of prayer. Look at them with me. The first one is this. If anyone is sick, verse 14, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. So the first example he gives is, if you're in need of healing, physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, if there's wounds in the past that need to be healed, if there's something physical that you're going through right now that needs to be healed, all of those kinds of things, James says, call for the elders, let them lay oil on you, or anoint you with oil, and pray over you. Then he goes to the next illustration, or next example of prayer, verse 16, or the end of 15. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another in the prayer for one another that you may be healed. So he starts off talking about pray regardless of the situation. He ends by saying, listen, the prayers of the righteous are effective. And in between, he gives two examples of prayer. About a month ago, as I was kind of looking over this passage and starting to think about the subject of prayer and thinking about this particular Sunday, it struck me that one of the things we often do in the church is we talk about the very thing maybe we should be doing instead of actually doing it. Has it ever occurred to you that we, we put so much focus and emphasis and time on the little talk, the sermon? We highlight it. We we make a big deal of it, and it's great, but often we neglect the action associated with the very thing the passage is saying. So what we do is for the next 20 minutes, I can talk to you about theological implications of pouring oil on someone's head. I can talk to you about why we should pray. I'll talk to you about what the significance is of confessing to one another, and uh, that there's, there's this power that happens when darkness is brought to the light. And we can talk about all of those things for the next half hour, or what we could do is actually 
practice them. And I felt like God was communicating to me that what we need to do as a church is actually practice this subject of prayer. Instead of us standing and talking about it and continuing to think on it, but for us instead to begin to act on it. So here's what we're going to do for the next 30 minutes. We together are going to kind of turn this place, as Jesus says in the Gospels, into a house of prayer. In fact, he tells all the people, listen, what should happen here is my house should be called a house of prayer. And that we as a group, as a community, will enter into this prayer together. And so we're going to have a couple stations. Right here will be a station for communion. 30 minutes we'll have, so you don't have to come rush and get communion right now. At some point during this time, if you feel God leading you to come up and take communion, take communion. There'll be a couple here that'll be serving that communion to you and reminding you of the truth of the gospel. That it's Jesus' body and his blood as a sacrifice for our sins that gives us access to a relationship with God. Then in this corner, there'll be several people over there as well as a little station. The station is an opportunity for you to write a confession on this slip of paper, light it, and put it into the vase and watch it burn as a symbol of the fact that your very sins have been wiped away. You've been wiped clean. That it's the gospel that washes your, your sin in the blood of Christ and you're forgiven. There will also be some people over there that actually will welcome you to confess to them. Now that might be a little bit out of your comfort zone. You might not want to engage in that. But one of the beauties of actually coming to someone and saying, let me share with you where I am not walking with Christ, is that a couple things happen. One, it brings it into the light, and you don't have to feel ashamed in that moment about sharing. But the second thing is, the person there will remind you of the truth of the gospel. That the gospel changes your life and your acceptance isn't based on what you do, but it's based on who Jesus is. And so you'll be able to be reminded of that truth of the good news and then to pray together with that individual. And then in this corner, the elders are going to be up here and they have oil. And so if you feel called to come to the elders and ask them to pray for you, and to pray for healing, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional. They're going to come, they're going to anoint you with oil, they're going to pray over you and ask God to do amazing things in your life. Now, if you just want any of them to also pray over you, just to pray over you, just to pray with you, I mean, feel free to take advantage of that as well. My other hope is that the rest of this space will be a space for you to pray by yourself or to pray with others. Grab a couple people around you and call out to Christ, to God, together. Lifting up praises to Him, lifting up requests to Him, asking Him to move on our behalf. And one of the things that we want to especially ask God to move in this morning, those of you that have been um, aware of this, there's a couple in our church 
Eric and Krista Dordal, and Eric and Krista just recently went in for an ultrasound. And uh, when they went in, uh, the doctors found out that there was a problem and it needed to be fixed immediately. And so they had an emergency C-section. And um, their little daughter, Ella, is uh, currently, <coughs> excuse me, at Deaconess. And um, doctors are attending to her. She's a beautiful little girl. And there'll be pictures here kind of scrolling in the background as I talk. But um, she is in desperate need of a miracle. Um, her heart is not functioning. It's not functioning to the capacity it needs for her to be able to live. And so she is in um, a bad spot as it relates to that. And, I mean, doctors are doing everything they can. And... Um, if something doesn't change in the next couple days, um, Ella may end up going to be with Jesus now. But we'd like her to be around here a lot longer. And so one of the things we want to do is also ask God to move in this situation and to perform a miracle. We want to ask that he would completely repair her heart so that it can function properly and so that she can have a long and beautiful life here with us. And so you've seen pictures of um, Eric and Chris on there. Um, also, Chris's dad is right over here and would love to talk with you, pray with you about that situation as well. Um, but we're going to open up this time and we're going to make the rest of it a space for us to